0: Listening to Chill and Grace, the lifestyle podcast for women disrupting the norm by chilling in their truth and gracefully inspiring others to do the same. As a certified coach who works with successful women to disrupt the norm by trusting themselves with what they want for their life, it's always been super important for me to showcase women doing just this. We all deserve to be seen, to be heard, to be understood, and to know we aren't alone when what we want for our life may seem too big, too different, or too weird. Thank you for tuning in, and let's get to it. Welcome to episode 10 of Chill and Grace. I am Holly Crevo, and I am so grateful that you are here today taking time out of your day for some positive, refreshing, encouraging content. So life, crazy, right? Um, it's hard to believe we are nearing May, and most of us have been... Um, either quarantined or sheltered down or whatever word your country is using for about a month and a half now. So, I hope that you are able to maintain a your mindset in a good way and a real positive way. I know for me, the days come the days go up and down, right? I will have days that are great. I will have days that are great. And then I get sad and then I'm fine. And then that's, it's like this roller coaster that I am sure I am not alone in feeling. Um, one thing that has been very helpful for me is, um, which I talk about in my podcast later is just really kind of having a schedule for my day. Um, but not too hard of a schedule. I'm every day getting some act, um, health wise, getting some active wise, I'm drinking a ton of water, which is always important to me. I'm, um, making small moves, big moves towards my business. So every day just showing up in some type of way. And I wrote a blog earlier on this and I sent it out in my newsletter. If you're not a member of my newsletter, I would highly suggest you join. I have some great content there. You can join at hollycrivo.com. Um, but I talked about how during this time, especially how it's so important to have just kind of little goals every day. Um, I, used to be notorious for this, having a huge list of everything I want to get done, overestimating my time, underestimating what I could get done, and I would have a whole list that I would just take from day to day to day to day, and I've noticed that during this time of quarantine, everything just seems a little harder for me. Um, I'm a little more emotional emotional about things, I'm a, everything seems a little harder, I'm a distracted, um, things aren't as I had originally planned, so... I think it's so important to show yourself the grace in that. So I, like I said, I talked about this in the blog and I talked about narrowing your day down to two or three things you have to get done and making sure these serve your bigger purpose. So, you know, is it taking care of something with your family? Is it taking of a career, your, whatever it is for your career? Is it your, um, help, whatever that is, just two to three big, small wins. Um, you know, for me today it is getting this podcast recorded. It is I have um a couple calls I've gotta make and I want to go for uh do some yoga. And that's it. That's all I'm gonna put on my to-do list and I'm gonna have other things that I wanna get done, but those are gonna be my non-negotiables, the things that I will get done today to keep me on track. And I know there's so many conflicting people out there that are like, just do whatever you need to do. And the others are like, use this time to change the world. And I think You have to work for you, but I really do believe it's um, probably somewhere right in the middle. It's showing yourself a little more grace, but also keeping you moving because I think movement's good. And I know if you're listening to this and you follow me, you're somebody who wants big things for your life and it's important for you to feel accomplished and that you're moving towards those goals. So I would encourage you if you're feeling a little overwhelmed and just not getting done what you need to, just let's shoot for two to three things today and get those done and see where the momentum carries you. So... I'd love to hear from you how that works for you, let me know, and um, I'm doing the same on this end, and so let's just kind of continue to move the needle even when it feels like it's very hard to move that needle. So today is such a special episode for me. I interviewed one of my dear, dear friends, Brian Sloan, and I asked him to join me when I really started to shift towards people who were disrupting the norm by really trusting themselves with what they wanted for their life. He left a really, really good job in the energy industry, um, about four years ago to go to med school. And we, I, I remember at the time him telling me that, and I was like, wow, that's so great to do that in your mid thirties when life's kind of going pretty well on paper, but you're trusting your heart with what you wanted. Um, Since I met him, he's probably one of the most driven and intentional people I know, and I've seen him grow from a 5 ker to a four-time Ironman, and I've seen the time he's put in and the work ethic and always still maintained his friendships, and he's done such a great time balancing this, and I don't want you to say, Holly, I... I don't want to be an Iron Man and go back to med school. This, this story probably holds nothing for me because you, no matter what it is you want for your life, you're going to pull so many great things from this conversation. Um, we really talked about the power of mindset and how, you know, I've been with him on his journey through becoming an Iron Man and going back to med school, but I had never put the similarities of those two together. And he really talked about that through this episode, which I thought was so fascinating. Um, the power of mindset and how, what it took to be an Ironman is what it took to be med school. And I, I bet whatever it is you're working on, you can apply these same mindset tricks. So we talked about that. We talked about how, you know, he feels very lucky that he had the opportunity to go back to med school and that others can't, but that there's always something you can do to work towards your dreams. Um, I really appreciated him talking about the self-confidence issues that still come up, Um, you know, whether it's physically or his, going to med school, how that still comes up for him and a little bit of the doubt comes up and how that's so normal when we embark on big things in our life for those to come up. It's just the mecha- we need to find the mechanisms to cope with those. So I just love his transparency and his honesty and it was just a great conversation. And so I really encourage you to listen to this and don't discount it just because you think what he does is too big and not at all what you want to do. Um, I think there's so much we talk about today that could apply to almost anything that you would want for your life. So enjoy, and here we go. I am super excited today to be spending time with my dear, dear friend, Brian. Welcome, Brian. Hey,
1: thanks for having me. Yes.
0: Yeah, so Brian is in Oklahoma City, um, which is where we met, I think it's been almost like 14 or 15 years ago, um, which blows my mind. <laughs> um Brian was one of my very first friends I met when I moved to Oklahoma City from New York, and we worked together at the Amateur Softball Association Association and USA Softball, um, and we've become great friends immediately, and friends since then. He introduced me to my wife, Katie. We've traveled all over. We ran a half marathon together, so I am so excited to be spending time with you.
1: I know. It's kind of crazy to think back how long it's been and (laughs) all the good memories and kind of where we've come (laughs) and where our lives have taken us, so.
0: When we used to be at our house on MySpace, we fix fixing our MySpace profiles back in the day. I know. <laughs> I
1: mean, honestly, it makes me feel a little old when I think about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that. Like aged us. There's somebody watching that's like, I didn't think people were actually on MySpace. <laughs> yeah, it was. No, we were, it was, and we were very good at it. Too. Yeah,
1: it was definitely a thing. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, well, in our opener, I talked kind of about why it was really important for me to have you on here, and especially when I kind of ventured into people who are disrupting the norm because. I think it takes such courage to leave a life that's really, you know, on paper working for you and to make that change. And you're also one of the most driven and disciplined people I know. So I'm super excited for others to hear your story.
1: Well, thanks. Yeah, it's been an adjustment for sure. It was a process, but it's going well so far. So I'm awesome. I'm excited.
0: Yes, well, you're doing great as always. I thought we'd kind of start going back to the beginning just kind of talk a little bit about... Kind of how you grew up, um, what opportunities you saw out there for you to go through, and kind of what were you like? Um, I guess to start out with, what were you like growing up? What type of student were you? What type of young man were you? And then how did that transition into adulthood?
1: Yeah, so I grew up in a small small town. Um, so I think population of about four hundred or so. Maybe that's giving it a little too much credit, but um, so it's kind of small town academics. I mean, I, I did really well and always was a good student. I enjoyed learning. So that was kind of always part of what I felt kind of made me more suited to go the route I did eventually. And, um, you know, did the whole valedictorian was involved as much as I could at school and and ended up going to Oklahoma State for, for my uh, undergrad and just kind of followed the path of you know, I was in FFA growing up. I did a lot of that stuff at school and we had a really good program. So there was a lot of opportunities to get scholarship money through um, OSU and I'd always been an OSU fan. So that kind of took me there, but um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at the time. And so I just went the ag business route because there was a lot of scholarship money for being in FFA and kind of let that dictate where I was going at the time. But um, didn't really consider long-term what my goals were at the time, which I think kind of plays into my story a little bit now. So um, but I was always a good student, always really enjoyed the process of learning. And, um, I would say I was a little bit of an introvert. I was, you know, didn't really have a lot of, like, I would say not a lot of motivation to put myself out there. I was, I was definitely, um, wasn't super confident in myself and I don't know. And I think that kind of plays into the story a little bit as well, but, um, you know, always, always kind of connected with a few people here and there that I really felt close to and you're one of them and you know I was very very much had a couple of really good friends and that was about it but um, just, I don't know that's just kind of part of my story I guess and kind of where I've ended up I was very introspective along the way and I think that helps when you're trying to figure out what you want to do in long term if that makes sense. But...
0: Yeah no absolutely so it sounds like you were I mean i I met you what, like you know a while ago but before that I could always tell that you were somebody who was very intentional with what they did very aware of what they wanted and it sounds like that was always been kind of a part of who you were
1: yeah and I mean it was kind of one of those I, I it took me a while to get to the point where I knew exactly what I wanted but once I figured it out it was kind of like all right this is this is where I need to be doing and this is how I need to make this happen and um, once I kind of get in my head what I want to do I definitely plan things out I need, it's it's part of my nature to want to plan things and try to try to make sense of what I'm going through and what I'm feeling and and then try to make, make the best plan possible to make, make it successful. Um, I, I didn't like a lot of risk. So <laughs> that's part mm-hmm. of what I've had to overcome along the way is like realizing that there are risks when you start trying to make a career change and, you know, taking steps out of your comfort zone. But.
0: Um... Oh, my gosh, which is so interesting, because you've done a lot of things uh, on paper, pretty risky, right? But then you also said you put a plan and or thoughtful about it, which kind of helped some of that.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was part of the process for me of like, actually taking the final step was making sure I had it thought out and make sure I was like, you know, making a decision that was risky, but also not unprepared. So
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that was a big piece of it for me. And I think a lot of people probably that do similar things to what I do are, you know, pretty, pretty similar in that aspect. I don't think a lot of people will just jump without first at least looking so
0: (laughs) (laughs) right some do I'm always like how do you do that like because I think it's funny even to myself people think that I just like a more spur of the moment like no I think about things a lot before I do it It may seem risky but I've thought about a plan for it
1: (laughs) yeah sometimes too much
0: (laughs) yeah there is a little paralysis by analysis I think for especially when you're used to doing good things Mm. for sure so we met and then you went to work for an oil and gas company and how long had you work there before this inkling kind of started popping up that this may be not what you wanted to do for your life?
1: It was weird because I knew pretty early on it because I, I worked at oil and gas company in Oklahoma city. Um, you know, really fun place to work. I enjoyed the people there. Um, but I knew pretty early on within a couple of years that I just could not see myself doing that term. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So that kind of kept me there a lot longer than I anticipated um, Mm, because I just, I really wasn't sure yet. It was definitely not something that I, it was funny because I used to drive through Oklahoma or like OU health science center campus, like just randomly every once in a while and and think to myself, man, if I could do it over again, I would go do the medical route. It was just kind of one of those, like didn't really seem like a real possibility and just, Kind of like oh this is a fun thought to have, but um never really gave it a lot of serious consideration. um It was so I, after a couple of years, I started kind of toying with the idea of like you know what do you want to do, what do you want to do, and then I got really involved in you know, marathoning and endurance sports, and that kind of distracted me for several years and kept me busy and kept mm-hmm. me occupied. That kept me happy, you know, outside of outside of work, and just kind of kept delaying the decision for me. And which was I think. Was something I needed personally, because um, it made me a lot more confident in myself, and like think it got me to a point where I could entertain doing something differently.
0: Oh, interesting. So you think, and let's let's not do it lightly. Long, like, since you're an Ironman, correct? Like a <laughs> yeah. two or three time Ironman.
1: Yeah, four. I, I, I'm four, retired. I so. apologize.
0: <laughs> and marathoner. So you are quite the endurance athlete. So it's interesting. So do you think that confidence that you got through that and the discipline and that helped you make that move?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I think, yeah. I don't think I would have ever gotten there without that. Um, it was, it was definitely one of those things. Like I had always kind of dealt with self-confidence issues. And I think part of it was growing up in a small town and just not really feeling like, I just didn't know if I was as good as I possibly was. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I, I mean, I always knew I was a little, I was always Doing well in school, and but I put in a lot of work, and I was kind of thought that that was it. It was like I was just, you know, I work hard, and therefore I get results. But didn't really think about the fact that I actually might be able to do something even a little more challenging. And I was always mm-hmm. kind of unsure about that. And so I think the endurance sports part of it just really gave me a sense of, you know, being able to put my mind to something, no matter what it is, put in the time, mm-hmm. put in the work. Mm-hmm. And be capable, and you know, be successful. I mean, I never won any races, and never will. But it was something that, you know, it gave me belief that you know, whatever I decide I want to do, I can do. And I think I never would have gotten to that spot without kind of, you know, breaking down those barriers little by little with running and Ironman. And
0: oh my gosh, that makes perfect sense. Because I mean, obviously, it's physical, right? Those type of things. How much of that? do you think how much of being successful in an endurance sport is mental?
1: It's huge. I mean, for me, it was almost all of it. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. you have to do the training you have to do, you have to put in the time, but at some point it, it just becomes mental, like getting up every day and making sure you you know, there are days you don't want to do stuff, but you know, you need to. And so you do it and you're thankful for yourself, you know, two months down the road when you're like, Oh man, I'm running, you know, 20 miles now when I couldn't run, five you know months ago so and it's just kind of that process of you know just getting your mind to the space where it's like you know you can push further than than your body or you know your confidence is willing to tell you that you can so you just kind of keep building that mindset of like you know what I'm just going to keep putting in the work I'm going to keep doing this and I'm going to come out successful and I mean for me it was like there were many times during races and during training that I was tired and didn't want to keep doing it. And you switch your mind to like, yes, I can do this. I just put one foot in front of the other. And you know, every step I take is one step closer and you just kind of work, work your way through it. And then by the end, you're like, Oh my gosh, I just did, that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, how did you do that. Well, and you started out cause when I met you, you were not doing all these like, you know, big events. Cause you started out just doing like a 5k, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I was kind of, well, it was funny because, like, Katie was actually you know, we went and watched her do a marathon like, several years before I started. Um, and it was kind of one of those like passing thoughts, like, oh, this is kind of cool, it'd be kind of cool to do it at some point, <laughs> <laughs> but never really gave it much thought because I wasn't a runner, just never had been. Um, and so it was, I it was kind of one of those, it wasn't, it was those first couple years at Chesapeake that I was working, you know, oil and gas company and not really happy with my career and it was just like I needed something to get me going something to kind of challenge me Mm -hmm. something to I don't know reset I guess is kind of what it felt like and so I started running and I signed up for the half marathon because they paid for our entry fees and was like well, let's let's give it a shot see what happens and so I started training and of course, did way too much way too soon and got hurt, but still did it. And, you know, just fell in love with it. And that kind of started. It was just on a whim, like needed something to, to get me motivated to get me going and never realized what it would turn into.
0: Oh, life changing. Right. It sounds like. Yeah. For you,
1: It was the catalyst for pretty much everything I've done since 2009. I mean, it was that's why I always tell people, give it a shot. Like, you know, if there's something you're thinking about doing, not quite sure you need a little spark. Like, I mean, it's not going to be running for everybody, but um, there's definitely a lot of options like creatively or physically or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. So it's interesting. So you said like you were at um, your, your company and you were, you know, not, not, to- you were fine. You were successful, not totally jacked up about it. And then you were, eh, it'd be cool if I would go back and go to med school and then it felt like it really didn't start to sound like a feasible option until you really kind of had built up your confidence through the Ironman training.
1: Yeah. And it was, um, you know, I started doing racing in 2009 and kind of over the years um, transition and triathlon. And, you know, the Ironman stuff really was uh, just a whole huge undertaking that once I got through the first one, I fell in love with the process. I fell in love with the work ethic that, that it required. I mean, just, putting in that much time and so I started thinking outside the box a little more which I think was not something I ever really did and started trying to feel around for something that I want to do long term Mm -hmm. and it was you know I started trying to first start thinking like well would I be happier if I went to a different company or you know different city and you know that was kind of my first thought Mm-hmm. and it just kind of came to the back to like, I'm going to be doing the same thing pretty much everywhere. Like this is kind of my niche in the energy market. And I just didn't really feel like leaving and going to a different company was going to change much. I mean, it was going to be the same work. And I wasn't happy with that aspect of it. It wasn't very, it wasn't challenging enough and I just wasn't invested in it mentally and emotionally, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, so I started trying to think more outside the box of like, well, what do you want to do? And like, you know, working with athletes became a big piece of it and trying to figure out like, you know, my relationship with my physicians and trying to figure out like, well, I like what those guys are doing and, you know, kind of what their involvement is with with sports, but they're also not just doing sports. They're doing something else to help out other people. And, you know, something that's challenging and something that's going to force you to be learning the rest of your life. And, you know, I think sometimes I need that little push. And so I just, just kind of started going down that path. It just didn't start with this big aha moment. It was just kind of, you know, little thoughts building up over time that turned into a snowball and started putting stuff together.
0: <laughs> do you remember the moment when you were um, when you said, OK, this is what I'm going to do?
1: Yeah, it was. Um, so it would have been 2015 um so it would have been that it would have been that may or june of that year because um, i was training really hard at the time was we we're working with the coach and um i ended up training myself into uh over exertion and had to had you know some medical issues not nothing crazy just just having to go see doctors and stuff and and kind of at that point, I was like, you know, it made me kind of sit back and because I couldn't train at that point because like, I was, it was I had doctored orders not to do anything for a little while. So it's kind of made me sit down and think about like, man, I'm not going to be able to do this Ironman stuff forever. Um, it had distracted me for so long that I kind of wasn't hadn't been thinking about, you know, life outside of it. And
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so when I had time to like sit down and think about it more, that's when I finally made the decision that, you know, that's where I wanted to to go. It was, it was very, very much a process of like being forced to sit down and think about the rest of my life. And I mean, it's kind of dramatic to think of it, I guess, like that way, because it wasn't anything super serious or, but it was a forced, you know, sabbatical from training and a forced, I had so much time on my hands at that point and, you know, sit down and actually think about what I wanted to do long-term. And that was definitely the point where I decided I needed to start getting stuff in order and try to, trying to make it happen. And I wasn't sold on medical school at the time. I kind of thought initially that I was going to go like the PA route or something that seemed more attainable and more immediate. But the further I got into the process, I knew that medicine was, you know, going to medical school was where I wanted it to be.
0: It sounds like you said you were kind of using, the, you know, all your endurance training as kind of a distraction from your day-to-day life. And when that little... Security blanket got pulled away, and you were a different person at that time, right? You had put all these, you built all this confidence up to have to really look and see, what is it Why am I want to do, and maybe this is something I can do.
1: Yeah, and it was, it was definitely a process for me. That's like, I it it wasn't something that happened overnight, which I'm thankful for. It was kind of an evolving piece of my life, and you know, I put it on the back burner for a while because of all the training, which you know I wanted to do. That wasn't something. I mean, it was. It was important to me. I, I really enjoyed the people I met through it, and enjoyed, you know, the way my family got involved in it, and the way I felt about it, and just it something I really liked. And um, but it ultimately did kind of provide a distraction for a while, and and didn't make me focus on, you know, my career and and where I was going long term. Which, you know, pluses and minuses there to that. But
0: right, right. No, then I needed sense. it. <laughs> no. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's not, not a blanket in a bad way, but just more of a, wait, maybe, maybe I can make another change in my life. You know, you talked about this being like a longer process. How, how was that helpful for you to kind of really build confidence and really kind of trust yourself in this decision when you finally made it?
1: Yeah, it, it made it easier for me because I knew that it wasn't something I was doing on a whim and that, mm-hmm. that I, it, I it was still scary walking away because I did have a really good job and I made money, really good money. And it was kind of one of those like I need I was more comfortable with taking that step because I knew I put the time and thought into it. And that I was comfortable with the fact that if it didn't work out, that I was at least putting in the right amount of effort to to make it successful. And I would have been okay either way. And so it took me a while to get to that point. And I think if I had made it more on a whim, I wouldn't have. Just me personally, just my personality, I would have kind of second-guessed myself all the time. And,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I mean, I still had days where I'm like, God, what am I doing? Because it was hard. I mean, it was a hard process. And, and I know it's not going to change. I'm still going to get to the point where... You know, medical school and residency, I'm still gonna be like, oh, what are you doing? Why did you screw yourself up like this? <laughs> but those are fleeting thoughts, thankfully. So, because <laughs> there's always a path, an easier path, it seems like.
0: <laughs> right. And how do you stop those fleeting thoughts? Because I think that's so normal when we do something big for it to always come up. And I think what separates the people who actually do it and who don't is that you, it's not that you don't have those thoughts, you just figure out how to manage them.
1: Yeah. And I always told myself it was healthier to have those thoughts and to work Mm -hmm. through them. Like I didn't beat myself up when I had those thoughts. I was like, okay, why do I feel this way? Like what's going on right now to make me feel this way? Like, and I had actually kept a journal for the first time in a really long time, um, during that year or so that I was leading up to leaving. And then, um, just so I could look back and like think about what I was thinking about the time when I made the decision. Um, my thoughts as I was going through that year, and saving money and planning and trying to get to the point where I was comfortable to leave. And I look back on it a lot. Um, still do and kind of my mindset at the time to make sure I don't forget why I was doing it because Mm -hmm. it's easy to look back and like be very rosy about your old life about like, Oh man, I had, you know, made so much money and had a good job. And why did I leave that? Then I look back and read my thoughts at the time. I was like, this is why you left that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, I mean, to me, that was part of it. I had to have some record, record, like, because your mind is weird and it can, you know, go back and edit things to be a lot rosier than it was. So, Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: it's like leaving a relationship, or like you said, a job or a city, and you're like, but it wasn't that bad, and you're like, oh, it was. Yeah, (laughs) it was for you.
1: So So you said
0: you, or I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: No, I was like, I just, I try to embrace it when I do second guess it and think about it and have doubts and just work through it. And I mean, I always come out on the other side, happy with what I've done. So.
0: Absolutely. Um, and do you still keep that journal?
1: I do. I don't write it as much anymore, but I do have it. Um, I, I do it mostly now, like just every couple of months, if I'm kind of having a A day where I'm very introspective and, and, you know, I have those days where I'm like, everything I think about is like, Oh, you know, look at my life, where it's come, where I'm at, like, where is it going to go? So I don't do it as much as I did just, mostly because I'm lazy about it
0: (laughs) but I I don't know med school to do I don't know and run and all that stuff so there's
1: only so much time yeah
0: I don't have lazy is the right word I would use on that (laughs) so you said it was about a year from when you said this is what I'm gonna do to when you left your job your full-time job right so what was that process like for you um, as far as like any doubt coming up maybe even any guilt at like why am I leaving a good job if I've got it good like what kind of emotions came up for you during that time?
1: Everything. Honestly, it was, it was a weird year. I will say, um, I didn't really talk to a lot of people about it either. So, um, I, I was in the mindset that I couldn't be too open about it because I didn't want my work to find out, which I was, that tore me up because I was always a very honest employee and a very, you know, felt like I had a lot of trust and I felt like I was breaking that trust. Um, so that was hard for me to, to reconcile at times. Um, And I, you know, so I started saving a lot of money, which made me feel better because I was, you know, I'm single. So I didn't have like a fallback, I guess, if Mm -hmm. this didn't work, so I wanted to make sure that I was financially sound enough to make a move and not put myself in a position that was going to be detrimental. So that, and then I, you know, obviously had to apply to get into school because I had to go back and take a bunch of classes. So that kind of had to start that process and. Um, I did have one coworker who her daughter was a medical student at the time. So I actually confided in her a lot. Um, she was, you know, really good about, you know, telling me how her daughter was handling it and kind of helping me through the process and things I should think about. Um, so she was great. Um, I started to think about like, you know, I needed kind of something to get myself to the point where I was like, gonna make a decision. So I actually ended up doing an EMT certification class in the evenings um, in the spring before I left. I left in the summer. Um, And it was kind of like my last ditch, like, I need to 100% make sure this is something I want to do. And I'm going to enjoy the process. And so I did that. And that was hard, because I had to like, almost lead a double life for a while if that makes sense
0: <laughs> like a secret like, agent <laughs>
1: yeah because I couldn't tell anybody at work that of what I was doing but I had to leave by a certain time on certain days so I could make the class in the evenings and I had clinicals on the weekends and like it was weird it was just a weird time like I was just like what am I doing like this isn't my personality like you know being covert and Like mm-hmm. um, so there was a lot of times I was like god you're what are you doing like <laughs> but you know i i definitely second guessed it more too. the closer it got i think i was getting anxious about what was about to happen and it just i think if i hadn't have actually applied to school and got accepted down at ou and norman to like take classes and you know had a set date i probably would have like chickened out a couple more times and and kept pushing it off because there was definitely that like voice in the back of the head like what are you doing like why are you doing this like just wait like don't don't do this now but I don't know I, I had I, just my personality I had to also give myself an like, an end date to like mentally right. be prepared so
0: I think that's a great like great advice too that you can be as prepared as you can but then there, a lot of this is just kind of a risk of getting you know trying it right like you're not going to have everything buttoned up by the time you do it you can yeah. do as much as you can, but you'll just, you would still be talking about going to med school if that was the case.
1: For sure. <laughs> or <laughs> whatever it is
0: that you're working through.
1: Yeah. And that's the thing, too. Like, I think it's easy to think about it and dream about it. And, but the actual execution and like taking that step for me was like, it was terrifying at times. Like, because I, there was not without risk for sure, because I, there was no guarantee I was actually going to get into med school. And, able to get to a point where this was going to work out there was a lot of unknown Um, I had two and a half years of coursework to figure out and just you know life happens and I mean but I was confident in myself that if it didn't work out I would I I would be okay and I Mm -hmm. but I had to get to a point where that was okay
0: how did you get to that point to knowing hey at the end of the day if I tank it and I can't get in like I'm still going to be okay like how'd you get to that point
1: For me, I think it was a lot of it was financial. And just because Mm -hmm. of that's just because I wanted to have a cushion that if something didn't work out, I wouldn't be, you know, devastated financially where I could not recover. So Mm -hmm. I made sure I had a cushion to like, okay, this is how much I need to get me to this point in my process. And I'll still have money left over for a little while if something doesn't work out and I can reassess at that point. So I looked into other options too, like say I didn't get a medical school, like could I go do a, you know, bachelor's of nursing, you know, fast track program, which I could get through that in ten months. So I mean, I looked at contingency plans over and over and over with that's just my mindset though. That's just mm-hmm. me me becoming comfortable with it. I don't think everybody will want to do that or have to do that, but it was just my personality and where I was at. So I made a lot of contingency plans, made sure I thought through, like, you know, what are my options if this doesn't work out? Um, so for me, it's more of an analysis thing and kind of becoming comfortable with the fact, okay, if this doesn't work out, it's not a failure, you still have other options. Right,
0: um,
1: right. And know, at that and point, was... you
0: probably knew you had to do it, right? Like, it was in your heart. You're like, I can't not do this.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I was comfortable. I knew that this is where I needed to be. And I was comfortable with the fact that sometimes, you know, that might not work out. And, you know, there are still other options to get me to practicing, you know, in the medical field, because I knew the medical field was where I needed to be. It was just kind of in what capacity was still kind of up in the air. Um, And I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't to the point where I didn't feel like I could do other stuff and not be happy. Like I, you know, I could have been a nurse. I could have been a a PA. I could have, you know, gone different routes and and been pretty happy and be able to get what I wanted out of it. I think so.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think the other thing it's I'm always like a big fan of is like very few things in our life are totally permanent. So I think we get really stifled. Like what if I don't do this? And then my life's ruined. It's like, no, you'll figure something out. Like, you know, the failure may sit with you for a while or the what you didn't get, but like, you'll be able to do something else. Right. Um, kind of it takes a little bit of that fear out for a lot of us. It. Like it's, it's, there's more after this, no matter what it looks like.
1: Yeah. And you'll adapt and, you know, make things work. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah. If you're willing to do the work. Um, you, know, you talked a little bit, I really talk a lot about like kind of ignoring the chatter, whether it's society or like friends and family or the biggest, mean one of all of ourselves um when you were kind of having those thoughts of like what are you doing I can't do this maybe now's not the time where did those where did that like inner or where did that chatter come from for you
1: it was all personal most of the time I didn't really have anybody push back um you know friends family any I mean not to me personally they may have said on the side like what the heck are you doing but (laughs) no one voiced that to me um so it was all personal. Um, just like I said, I think it was the confidence issues and kind of like beating back those like you're not going to be able to do this thoughts. And, and like, you know, you get comfortable in life and you're like, why would I, up, you know, upset the apple cart when I don't need to? And mm-hmm. um, just kind of like I could just coast through life and be just fine and make my money and, you know, <laughs> go down the road. And, but I it was all self-inflicted doubt right. and. I mean, I, I mean, I did run into a few people just like on on the side doing EMT stuff. And, you know, when I was in school, like, you know, when people like learn what you were doing and kind of like the money you were making and stuff, they're like, why would you leave that? Like, you know, like they can't understand it. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, just different points. Here's different parts of your life, too. So, I mean, I didn't expect everybody to completely understand it. But a hundred most, most often it was my own self-doubt.
0: Right, right. No, that makes total sense. Because I think it's one thing to take a risk when you're younger, but as you get used to more financial freedom and more lifestyle, nicer lifestyle, it's a little harder sometimes to make that change, which is why I think it's just so amazing that you've done that so courageously.
1: Well, and I think, yeah, because I think I'd gotten to the point where I was comfortable financially, comfortable, you know, in my relationships and where I was at in my life. And it was kind of like, so I had the luxury to, to think more about, Mm -hmm. you know, was I happy, which I don't, you know, not everybody has that luxury. And I, you know, I was super thankful of, and I've said this many, many times to people in conversation. I was super thankful to Chesapeake and my bosses and the opportunities I had there, because it did put me in a position where I had the luxury to make a decision like this. Like not everybody's going to have that. Right. and I don't take that for granted for sure like I knew I was in a position that a lot of people would love to have been in and I didn't take that lightly I mean
0: Mm -hmm. yeah well thank you for sharing that I think that takes a lot because I do agree that sometimes you have you know better not better you just um you had opportunities that a lot of people maybe that don't make as much money or have family to support aren't able to do so right um, that's definitely I think something that those of us who are lucky to have opportunities like that need to always be aware that not everybody has that <laughs> so it's now my, it's my yeah right so it's like like you said being grateful for that piece um so now you're in med school correct
1: yeah I am in my first year right now so I am seven eight months into med school Um about four coming up on four years into the process as a whole so as okay. far as like after leaving work so
0: after and how um I don't think you will be offended by this but you are one of the older (laughs) adults in med school right how's that been for you
1: honestly it's been really cool I'm the second oldest in my class um so I mean I'll be 38 next week so I'm not super old yet but (laughs) definitely no no, no. definitely a lot older than most of my classmates um there's a most of them that are i'd say mid 20s is are, are most of them there's probably 10 of us that are kind of upper 20s to to upper 30s so um it's been great they've been very very receptive and um i don't feel super old most of the time there are definitely some references i don't get and like <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I sometimes just throw my hands up and i'm like i don't know like I'm going to act like I know what you're talking about, but I really don't. So, um, but they've been really cool. They've, they've opened my eyes a lot. I've, I've told them this before um, in our group me messaging that I'm always super impressed when I talk to them and like where they're at in their lives and like how confident they were to make that decision at that age. And um, a lot of them have experiences beyond anything I ever would have imagined for myself at their age. So, I mean, it's a very, very humbling experience at times to kind of see what, what all of my classmates have accomplished and they're only you know in their mid-20s you know it's crazy it's just a really cool group of people and I've I really enjoyed it they've made me feel you know a part of the group even though I'm usually 15 years older than most of them so
0: (laughs) even though you don't understand all their references yeah and their tiktoks I I don't know are they on tiktok and all that fun stuff
1: uh, I don't know. I don't have it. So I don't. <laughs>
0: you're like, what's TikTok? <laughs> right. I'm
1: still on Snapchat and Instagram. So.
0: <laughs> oh, and would you like, look, I mean, it's always hard to look back and say, you know, would you, do you, would you have done, you know, obviously things differently? Cause we always do the best, next best thing we can. Um, do you think you're a better kind of medical student now than you would have been if you would have done this at 22?
1: Oh yeah. Not I mean, hundred percent. I, I would have been a mental wreck, I think, honestly, mm-hmm. um, just because I don't, I mean, I still have a little self-doubt issues every once in a while, like self-confidence issues. And but I mean, I just, the life experience and kind of going through what I did and, you know, working in the in oil and gas and just interacting with people every day and maintaining relationships through with customers and just learning how to deal with different personalities and, I, I just don't let a lot upset me anymore, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I would have been a lot more uh, fragile, I think, um, in my mental capacity at the time. So, and I don't mind putting in the hours and the work now, or I think maybe I would have pushed back a little more when I was younger. Um, just kind of a, I think um, the training aspect of Iron Man helped a lot with that too. Like just kind of knowing that, you know, these are, this is, my schedule for the day. This is what I'm going to do. I need to have this done by the end of the day. Like I don't find it hard to do that, which is nice. Um, I don't know if that makes sense. I think there are definitely things that would have been easier when I was younger (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, because I wouldn't have, I think now the part, the part I struggle with is like, sometimes my mind just gets tired and I can't put in the hours. Like some, some people can. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I think if I was younger, it would be easier to do this, but who knows? Maybe not.
0: (laughs) Maybe a little easier, but maybe you don't have the stress that you would have. As, I know yeah. you still have stress, but not as impactful.
1: Yeah, as, little things don't bother me as much right now, for sure.
0: Because you don't have time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, co- talking through, you know, like you, I'm sure when you're in this process of like leaving your job and saving your money and figuring out what your life looks like and your backup plans. How is this? Has this now that you're in med school, you're you're four of you know your career? Has it been harder than you thought? Easier? The things you were fearful of or those coming up, or what is in general? How's that been?
1: It so school to me was has been a little. I don't know how to, it's. I wouldn't say easier, but not as big as a deal that I expected. Because when I first left. School or left work to go back to school. Like I had to start with freshman level classes at OU and Norman, and so I was like chemistry and biology and stuff. Like that and it was it kind of took me a little bit to get back into a groove down there. Mm-hmm. Um, that made me nervous at first, and I was like, oh my gosh, can I actually do this? Like <laughs> I, my mind hadn't been tested in a while, and it kind of felt like mush when I went back. And like you know, but that came back pretty quick. After a month or two, I kind of got into a groove, and so. School hasn't been as big of an issue as I kind of envisioned it. Um, medical school is definitely a challenge as far as just time and, and mm. just the amount of information um, and trying to figure out how to get it all in your head and actually retain it because it's obviously something that you got to come back to over and over again as you develop. But I would, the process to get in was always a little nerve wracking to me Um and then this has always kind of come back to this. I, I don't like it when I don't have a lot of like control. <laughs> um, that is definitely a weakness of mine. Um, and I've relinquished a lot of control in this process because getting in, I kind of, it was, I only applied to two, two schools. And that was always something that everyone's like, don't put yourself in that position and apply as many places as you can. But I knew I wanted to stay in state and that was kind of just a sacrifice I made. Um, to make sure I could get in and then but now the whole process of like you know, going through boards and going through residency and like that still makes me nervous because you do mm-hmm. really push a lot of control in this process. I mean, I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if I'm going the right way with this question. <laughs> no,
0: I don't know, absolutely. I think that's so like such a great lesson and I don't I don't know that I had ever really thought about it this much either is how, you know, it'd be one thing for you, like, I'm going to leave this amazing job because I'm going to go to med school and I'm going to be a doctor as long as I do the work. But like you said, you didn't know if you were going to get in, you didn't know where you were going to get in. And then you've got boards and you have resident. like there's a lot of factors that you still have to like hurdles, I guess that you have yep. to do. It's not like you're just like, I'm going to trade this for this. And it's a guaranteed.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's still a long, long way to go. So that's one of the mm-hmm. things that I just have to keep reminding myself to like stay focused, stay, you know, stay engaged, like don't, don't get too comfortable and distracted, but then also, mm-hmm. you know, don't stress out so much about it. Cause I worry myself to death at times it's still, so right. <laughs> it's kind of one of those things like shut off your, your mind sometimes when it starts shaking mm-hmm. you down rabbit trails. And...
0: and so how do you keep up, you know, cause you said you've always kind of struggled with confidence. Like how do you keep up that confidence in yourself that you can do this?
1: to me, it's preparation. Um, I, when I start worrying about stuff, I just prepare and try Mm -hmm. to figure out how can I alleviate those worries. Um, running is still a huge, huge piece of my life. Um, it's amazing that when I'm stressed or, or worried about something, I'm just like, all right, put your stuff down, put on your shoes and go for a run. And it's very therapeutic for me to go out on a run. I always come back more confident and more um I don't know engaged I guess than I was Mm -hmm. before I left for my run so I think it's important for people to find kind of that what's their reset button Mm -hmm. and running for me is Mm -hmm. my reset um if I need to like reset my mind I just go for a run um it's just that's just my thing so I that's been my link to kind of keeping my worry from running out of control. So I don't know what I'm going to do when running is not available. <laughs> I'll have to, <laughs> to figure out my next best thing, but right now that's what I do. Um,
0: yeah, no, that makes sense. Kind of prepare as much as you can and then kind of find a way to de-stress and yeah. get away from, get away from all the preparation <laughs> as well. <Yeah. laughs> well, and it's interesting. I don't think I've ever, and you kind of pointed it out, how similar um, maybe not, well, maybe how it tests you to do, to leave a really great job to take a risk and follow your dreams. And also the Ironman training, how similar, similar those paths were for you and how like even Ironman, right? Like you said, you went to school or went back to school in those first weeks are really hard. Well, that's like when you start running, you're like a mile feels like it's like a thousand miles, but then you just do a little more and a little more and you're like, oh crap, I'm running seven miles today my seven versus your 20. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. but it's interesting, right? Like that method, like you just had to keep showing up and keep working on it in the same way. It sounds like for turning from a five care to a four time Ironman.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, I actually talked about that in my medical medical school interview. Um, it's something that's always been a piece of like my story in this process is, um, you know, there'll be days I, I, this is going to, so I equate Ironman training to kind of the whole medical school process as well. Like, there are some days I am engaged and love it and want to be there, and then there are days where I'm like, "Oh my gosh, I really don't want to be doing this." But kind of go back to Ironman training, the same thing. Like, I really didn't enjoy swimming that much, but I did it because I knew it got was going to get me mm-hmm. to a point where I wanted to be. And there are definitely things in medical school and this whole process that I don't really want to do, but I know that. And the end, that's getting me to a place that I want to be. And then just knowing that, you know, if you put in the time, you put in the work every day, even when you don't want to do it, even when you don't feel like doing it, that, you know, the cumulative efforts over time get you to a place where you want to be. And that's, you have to be able to do that. I think to be successful in whatever you want to do, it doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. have to be Iron Man or medical school. Like, you know, you still need to be engaged and put in the time, even when some days you're just like, no, no, no thanks. you got to find a way to get yourself to a point where you're okay performing even when it's not ideal if that makes sense right
0: because it's really not about studying it's not about running the mile like it's not that act it's what that act symbolizes right like it's that you're going to go to med school and serve other people and help as a doctor that you're going to be able to complete this task it's not just the act that you have to do that day
1: Yeah, I mean, it's all a process to get you to where you want to be. And, you know, to me, in the end, like right now, I think I'm going to go into sports medicine, and family medicine. And, you know, I look forward to being able to help athletes as they're, you know, dealing with health issues and and trying to figure out, like, how to maintain their lifestyle and their, you know, their hobbies and and juggle everything and still be healthy. Um, It's something that I Mm -hmm. think, you know, suits me pretty well and gets me an opportunity to give back to, you know, to athletes and, and get them to a place where I was like, I mean, running and Ironman and whatever sport you want to do. I mean, it changed my life and I think it, it changes a lot of people's lives. And I want to help people be able to do that and stay healthy and, and figure out, you know, how to manage their lives in a way that's not unhealthy, if that makes sense.
0: Right. Cause there's probably a level of, healthiness that turns unhealthy at some point yeah yeah
1: Yeah. and that's where I got to a point where I was too much and you know I had a couple doctors that were really great with me and sat me down and talked to me for a while and just like you know laid out the realities of what I was doing and at the time and you know trying to find a better balance and you know it was a I really appreciated those conversations and I was like man that's this is it was it just felt like that would be a cool thing to be able to do with other athletes as well (laughs) um And, you know, you worked around softball and Olympic athletes all the time. You know, the time they put into it and and the sacrifices they make, but you also have to like realize, make them realize that, you know, their, their overall health needs to be a focus as well and not just performance on a field and and whatever they're doing.
0: Absolutely. That's super interesting. Like you said, the, it's a fine line between being super healthy and passionate and dedicated and then just kind of wearing your body out.
1: Yeah. We we have a long time to go.
0: <laughs> I know. that's a, It's so funny. We went for a really big hike yesterday. It, I like. I got home and I was like, I'm not going to be able to walk tomorrow. I felt fine today. But you do start to feel like your knees start to hurt more. And so when you start to do things that are a little harder on you, you're like, ah, because I'll be 40 next month. And so it's like, eh, maybe let's try and do a little more uh little gentler stuff as well
1: yeah yeah modifications <laughs> yes <laughs> really... not
0: that i'm a high-tech <laughs> endurance athlete or olympian or anything but even as a normal person who stays fit and wants to do things it's something to pay attention to you know you kind of i'd asked about confidence and one of my questions which you kind of wrapped up is you know three tips for maybe somebody who's wanting to make a big change like maybe it's not med school or maybe it's not an Ironman, man but somebody who's wanting to do something that's just totally different than what they're doing now and you know, you had mentioned really preparation and running or, you know, other, some type of outlet, some type of reset button. What else advice would you kind of give to somebody who's in this stage?
1: Um, I, I definitely find some people you can confide in, um, mm. people that you can talk to about it and be open and vulnerable about, you know, what you're feeling and, and people that will actually, and I. I not necessarily always give you like the pep talk, like, yeah, you can do this. And, but you need people like that in your life too. They're like, yes, you can do this. And kind of that reassurance, like, so you need to have some people in your life that, that will do that for you. And then, um, it, I guess, and be comfortable with the fact that it's going to be unsettling at times, try to get yourself Mm -hmm. to a place, get yourself to a place and however you want to do it. Um, I, for, like I said, you need to be okay with it not working out before you take the leap and and make sure you're okay with that. And kind of, and and at least for me, that was important to kind of know, like, if this wasn't going to work out, this is life's not over. There are other things I can do. Here's my contingency plan. And then, you know, prepare as much as you can if it's possible. I mean, or if it's, if that's your personality, like if it's not, I mean, some people can do it more on a whim maybe, but um, you definitely have to find a way to, not necessarily remove all risk, but maybe reduce risk a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's more comfortable. And I mean, and to me, the the journaling part was a big piece of it for me. I I would definitely encourage people if they don't do that to do it. Um, Just so you do have something to look back at later when you're doubting it and questioning it and try to, you know, remind yourself of, you know, where was I at when this first started? Where where do I want to go? and just have that constant reminder to look back on. So I don't, those would yeah. be my biggest, I bet.
0: Right. No, absolutely. And I think the journaling too piece that people can add into is kind of celebrating their little wins along the way. Cause I don't, I think we celebrate our big wins like, Oh, I got into med school or I quit, got this and we don't celebrate those little wins of I did really good on this test or I felt good when I did this. So it's kind of celebrating those little wins I think can be really helpful to people. Yeah.
1: And it's reassuring when you get when you when you get those little wins too. Mm-hmm. You're like, all right, I you know I can do this. You you build momentum right. over time. So. Absolutely.
0: Well, you know, and you, This is kind of a you kind of you talk about like reducing the risk and also thinking almost like what your worst case scenario is, right? But when you think through that, then you're like, okay, now it's not as scary as I thought it was. Yeah. Right. <laughs> worst case scenario, I totally bomb all this, which odds of that happening are like very low. But if I do, I can go to a different route. I can go back to the energy industry. I can go get a. I I will be fine. <laughs> right. So I think that like worst case scenario is, um, it's not very like life coaching or positive, but I think it has some power in it. Cause when you took it, you're like, that's not that bad. I can handle that if it gets the worst case scenario for me.
1: Yeah. And that, and to me, that was important for me mm-hmm. mentally to get to a place where I, because my first thought was always like, disaster (laughs) like that was always kind of like when I was having doubts it was like Mm -hmm. oh everything's gonna travel and and then but when you sit down and think about it and you're like all right this is not gonna be completely disastrous like I like you said I have other options right like your worst case like you're like
0: I'm not gonna be homeless and on the street (laughs) yeah like I'll I'll figure it out you know just to Knowing you the way I do and knowing that you're so focused and control-to-control control, preparation. How are you kind of handling everything that's going on now with the coronavirus? What are you kind of doing to keep your path?
1: Well, I haven't been very good this week, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, I mean, so I'm on spring break right now, which, you know, was interesting timing. Um, so I didn't. <laughs> Didn't really have a lot to keep me busy or force me to just be busy. Which the first couple of days was pretty alright. Like it was kind of nice to just like relax for a little bit. um But there's kind of like this building sense of like wanting to do something, but not really sure what I can do to help.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: um Because we're kind of on lockdown with school. Like we're going to be off for a couple of weeks at home. And but you know when you're going to the medical world, you want to help out, but I don't feel like we can yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's been a little unsettling trying to figure out like what my role can be to be more active and, you know, helping healthcare workers because we're part of the team now. And I think our school is working on ways to maybe try to get us more involved in like places where we can volunteer, which is nice. Um, cause we can't do anything clinically related right now because of, you know, lack of PPE and, mm-hmm. and we just don't have the skills yet either. So, but I've been trying to get myself to worry less, which has not been great, um, just because there's a lot of uncertainty. So I think everybody is kind of in the same boat on that, you know, just the uncertainty of like, no one has any idea what's going to happen. Um, I think everybody's schedules and lives are a little upside down at the moment and trying to remember that, you know, we're all in the same boat and everybody's kind of feeling those thoughts and, you know, reaching out and talking to people and trying to find ways to connect and, you know, stuff like this helps like talk through it. And, um, We start school tomorrow, so that'll kind of get me back into a little more of a routine, which I think will help um, kind of a distraction at the moment, too, which is nice. What about you guys? Have you had Um, much luck?
0: (laughs) Oh, it's weird. It comes and goes. Um, Yesterday was really good because we were out and about most of the day out with a hike. And then I got home, and it was fine. And then, of course, if I go to bed, I get on the news. And I'm like, I got so mad at myself. I'm like, why do you do that? Because it just triggers everything because we're in – you know, Norway, so I'm reading things here, and I'm worried about life there, and so it's just a little overwhelming, but I do think, like you said, this, um, consistency in your schedule, I think, is really important, um, so we're, you know, Katie's working from home, she gets up, she showers, she gets online, I have my time blocked for the whole week on what I want to get done and do, so that's been kind of helpful, just trying to stay focused, um, you know, just business as, quote, usual for now, um, I, You know, I talk about the worst case scenario. I did have that run through my mind. <laughs> I'm like, okay, for, you know, personally, it's hard to talk with the world. And I think that's why this is such an over um, overwhelming time, because every single person's affected by this. Right. Um, you know, knowing worst case scenario, I, mean, that, I guess that's probably death. But as far as like, just financial or job law, like it's, we'll figure it out, right? Like, Yeah, that's not very inspirational, but just kind of thinking, you know, we're all in this together and worst case scenario, we'll all rise up and figure out a new norm, but it's definitely a crazy time.
1: Yeah. And I think like our schools trying to like, I mean, we're, we're obviously home for a couple of weeks and they, they've been very good at communicating with us pretty much every day, like their thoughts and like, you know, where they foresee things going and how we're going to navigate. And so I've been Mm -hmm. very appreciative of that. Um, they put up a link for us for student volunteer opportunities so that we can start doing stuff once we get to go ahead to get back out. And, okay. you know, we're kind of like everybody else right now, though. They want us to stay home and stay safe and, you know, not yeah. contribute to the spread. So it's kind of like in a holding pattern, which is a little right. weird. Um, I think everybody feels like that right now. Um, just not yeah. sure what's going to happen after two or three weeks.
0: <laughs> right. That's what I think. Cause I think everybody is like, okay, I can, I'm like, I can handle two or three weeks, not getting, you know, out, but it's like, what happens after? And is it two or three weeks? And what does it look like after that? I yeah. think everybody, but I don't, know, I think it's important to stay off our social media, to be very intentional about what you consume and what you let right. in. I think that's, I, I notice an immediate, like I feel like my heart starts racing when I get online, <laughs> and it yeah. just doesn't do me any good. So, cause you know, so I'm just trying to stay busy and focus on what I can do and we'll kind of go from there, but thank you so much for spending some time with me on your spring break. <laughs> yeah,
1: absolutely. I'm happy to talk. i hopefully, you know, it wasn't too discouraging <laughs> for people, but
0: <laughs> no, not all. I, I know we kind of ended on a more of a relative or real time kind of in- topic, but I definitely think what you have is so inspiring to know that it can be done. Um, I think a lot of times we see people doing cool things like, wow, the heaters did that out of nowhere. And it's like, no, it was really thoughtful and thought out and it can be done. You just got to kind of the, give some things up for your new life. Yeah. yeah.
1: And I, I, I definitely applaud people who make the effort and, you know, decide to take the leap and, you know, it's, it's not without, you know, it's obstacles, but you know, right now I'm very happy with the decision and, and really looking forward to, to you know, my career ahead and, you know, trying to give back and, you know, help out other people, especially as, you know, the current medical situation. I mean, it's something that, you know, makes you remember also why you're doing this and and want to get out there and help as well. So.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I look forward to calling you Dr. Sloan. Yeah. (laughs) Isn't that on, is that on Grey's Anatomy? Yeah. 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 Many there years ago, but yeah. Many years ago. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. And I know your story will encourage other people. So thank you for sharing it.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me. All
0: right. Bye-bye. Bye. I had the most lovely time with Sloan. We've been friends for a long time. And I've seen him, like I said, go from a 5K to an Ironman and go from an executive with an energy company to going back to being an EMT and going to med school. And I knew both times that he would accomplish everything he wanted to because usually really intentional with his actions and his thoughts. And I knew that he would work hard every day. So I was so great to hear even more about his journey on a deeper level. And there are really like three things that I want to touch, leave you with um, that he, we talked through that I think are really good items for all of us to take home with us is kind of homework, put them into real life. Now um, first is talking about worry. I know we are all in a space of worry right now with COVID-19 for our financial future, our family's futures, um, what does work look like? What does travel look like? There's a lot of worry out there. And I think what's great, and he talked about it is really preparation. Um, there's a lot of stuff we have no control over, but when we do the preparation for what we're worried about, that's gonna alleviate some of that worry. So I encourage you, whatever it is you're really, really worried about, what can you do about it? Is it um, reworking your budget? Is it really taking better care of yourself so you don't get sick? Is it looking for other jobs outside of your industry, if your industry is at risk, what does that look like? Just, just do some preparation, um, do some thoughts, write it down. I'm a huge believer in writing it down. It gets it out of your head and it takes away the power of all these thoughts that we, that we carry with us. So whatever you're worried about, really start and think like, what can I do about it? And hopefully that will alleviate the worry. I know it works for me because um, then I can say, hey, I've done all I really can, and it's out of my control, and I can let that go. And it's been really helpful for me during this time um, to not worry as much because I know I'm kind of preparing myself in the best way possible. Two, he talks about the reset button. And I think this is great for him. It's running. Um, I I want you to think through what your reset button is. Um, maybe you know, maybe you don't. But how can you use reset? Use your reset button. Maybe even more during this time um, when we're feeling a lot of overwhelm and anxiety and um, paralyzation of from fear. Um, how can you use that? Is it running? Is it meditation? Is it baking? Is it calling a friend? Is it dancing? Is it a hot bath? I don't know what that is for you. But really be intentional on putting that into your life so that you can come back more engaged and more focused on what you need. And three thing he talks about, which I kind of touched on earlier in the podcast, was really showing up every day for yourself. Um, Even when you don't want to, even when you're having a hard day, what can you do every day that will serve the future version of you that you want to be? Um, what can you do today that your future self will thank you for? And I, you know, there's so much conflicting, um, messages out there from people like me, um, that you either are gonna use this time at the best of your ability, get everything done to don't worry about doing anything. It's hard times, let yourself relax. And I really believe it's somewhere in the middle. I think it's important for us to continue to make goals or, you know, make progress towards our goals because life's going to go back to normal and I don't want you to sit there and be like, I should have done that when I had the time. But it's also giving yourself grace and saying, you know, today my, I'm going to go for a jog and I'm going to send 10 emails. And that's all I'm going to do, but just get it done and you're still showing up for your best self. So those are my three takeaways of ways that we can implement the lessons of this podcast into our lives. And again, I hope that, I know that you're probably not going to be an iron man or quit a job and go back to med school, but I hope that this gives you the permission to explore what that looks like, um, that you can sit there and say, you know what, this is what I want. Could I do it? Or what does that look like? And just to really explore that, because if it's in your heart, it's something that you need to look at. And I am happy to support you in that way. You can email me for a complimentary session and just say you heard me or heard, um, yeah, you heard this podcast and we'll talk about what that looks like to explore that. You can email me at H O L L Y at H O L L Y K R I V O.com. That's Holly at com, And we'll look through what it looks like to really explore that. Um, you know, and like someone says, it's not a one time and done. Those thoughts of, Uh, self-doubt and second-guessing still come up to him, but he now has become so strong in what he wanted to do and prepared himself for what he wants to do that he can manage those thoughts. And so that's my hope for you is that you give yourself permission to explore and maybe take that first step. So please let me know how I can support you and uh, know I'm always rooting for you and I will talk to you soon. Have a great day.